can certainly relate to the younger son. And although I don't have a big dramatic story of a crazy, illustrative life of sin and darkness, and then this major conversion like St. Paul or St. Augustine, and then suddenly an extreme life of holiness, I don't really have that story, but plenty of times in my life, I have turned away from God. Plenty of times in my life, I have found myself in a dark spot, in a, a life of sin, in a life just far away from the Lord and, and not in communion with Him. And I can certainly relate that even now today, whenever my heart turns away from the Lord, even in small ways, I find myself running away from the Father. And like the son who eventually turns and goes back to the father, I can relate to all of those emotions before he made that decision, how sometimes it's, a, it's scary to go back. And sometimes it's difficult to go to confession. There's that fear. There's that worry that the priest might judge me or that the priest might uh, look at me different or think of me different or treat me different now that he knows that I've sinned in a certain way. I used to think these things until I became a priest myself. And I started to experience confession on the other side of the screen. Because something mysterious happens. Something that's definitely from the Lord. Something that's definitely a grace. Of course, I try to forget every sin that I hear. That's, that's uh, the way it should be. And that's a grace that the Lord often gives us as priests. But something mysterious happens whenever someone comes to confession, perhaps maybe not having gone for 30 years or a really, really long time. Or maybe it's someone that confesses a type of sin that is just a really major sin. And you can just tell they're, they're just so ashamed and beat up by it. What people may expect me to think is, wow, whew, shock. Or judgment, time to fuss, time to educate. But what tends to happen in my own heart as a priest, mysteriously, I'm drawn to that type of person. If anything, it makes me love them even more. And I know this is a grace from the Lord because now, as I've learned, this is, this is how God looks upon us, that somehow the Lord is mysteriously drawn to the greatest of sinners. And so far from being, you know, extra judged by the priest, it's quite the opposite. The priest is extra drawn to those with the greatest of sins, to those with the deepest of shame. The lost son in today's parable did not let fear hold him back from returning home to the Father. Today, Jesus tells us this parable, in fact, three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, and all of them have these themes of being lost and found, dead and alive. And they all have this central message of God's joy, this extreme celebration in heaven over the repentance of one sinner. So much greater than 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Revealing the mysterious nature of God's heart. 
how he's drawn to sinners, particularly those who have a conversion. The lost son we see is living this life of dissipation. He asks for his inheritance ahead of time. He uh, goes off to a far distant land, which, you know, kind of mimics how the Israelites, you know, would have gone to uh, a distant country in exile um, or how the Gentiles are far from um, from the people of God in their distant land. But but he's living this life of sin away from the father. And he finds himself down in the dumps. Eventually, the life of sin is no longer exciting. It's no longer fulfilling. It's no longer pleasurable. He's just completely desperate, alone, dark, hungry. And finding himself with only one direction to look up. And he looks to the Lord. Well, not to the Lord. He looks to his father. And he starts to dream of life back home. And he starts to think, you know, he realizes that, yes, he is a son, and yes, he's messed up, and he's probably lost all of his rights to live at home as a son, but maybe, just maybe, the father might have enough mercy to let him live as a servant. And at least the hired servants are living a better life than this terrible situation that the lost son finds himself in. And so the lost son has this change of mind. What we see is a true conversion. The Greek word for conversion is metanoia, which literally means after thinking, like this change of mind. He thinks differently. He's no longer thinking about this life of darkness and sin. He is choosing to direct his attention and his life back home with the Father. And then there's this act of the will. He actually takes a step forward. He returns home, which means that he's leaving this distant land. He's not staying there. He's choosing to walk back to the Father. Now, as the the Jews would have been listening to this story, what they would have expected next is for Jesus to say that then the Father sees the Son and the Father is going to say something like, how could the son have done this? It's time to give him a punishment or time to say, I told you so, or, or maybe the father wouldn't welcome him back because it's, he got what he deserved and he needs to, you know, reap what he sowed and all these things. That's probably what the Jews were expecting Jesus to say. But of course, as often Jesus does, as he tells these parables, he provides a twist And the first twist is that the father, when seeing the son at a far distance, begins to run towards the son. He embraces him and he kisses him. Major plot twist. And the next plot twist is that even upon embracing the son, then he demands that all of his servants begin to prepare a feast. Puts a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, robe on his back. Which recalls the, um, the image of Joseph in the Old Testament, with the coat of many colors, the favored son of Jacob. We're going to elevate this son, the son who squandered all of his inheritance on a life of dissipation. The father chooses to elevate in this moment the son who sinned higher than anyone else at home. 
This son is the most important person in the father's eyes in that moment. Major plot twist. This is one of these stories we can just take for granted. We've he- we probably have heard this before, maybe many times, and we just kind of, oh yeah, God's merciful. But to, but to really allow this to hit us, how many times we find ourselves in this dark, distant land, afraid to return home because we're afraid that the Father might judge us, or we're afraid of what He might demand of us. And instead to recognize that our God is a compassionate father. The image that he chooses and his most favorite attribute that he chooses to reveal about himself is mercy. So I want you to think for a moment, when you sin, either in small ways or big ways, how quickly do you return home? How long does it take for you to come back to the Father? And if it takes you a while, what's holding you back? What holds you back from confession? What holds you back from a sincere repentance in prayer? What holds you back from just getting back on track in your spiritual life? Maybe a number of things, and I know there's a lot of reasons that hold us back, but I noticed three in particular that are um, most common, in my opinion. One thing that holds us back is simply denial. Sometimes we prefer to just live a life of denial. We prefer to just not acknowledge this gravity of our sin, because it's just easier, it's more comfortable. Sin's fun sometimes. And we kind of just get used to this life of, of um, misery. We, we just kind of get numb to the experience of the effects of sin, and we just kind of just prefer to stay there. And so we just kind of live a life of denial, uh, you know, a, a, cho- a chosen ignorance. That holds us back sometimes. Or sometimes people, another option, sometimes people recognize that they're doing something wrong. They know that they need to return back to the Father, but it just, you know, uh, maybe not today, maybe tomorrow. Or you know what, maybe after I graduate high school. Let me get through college first, because I don't, you know, I want to I wanna enjoy, I want to get the college experience, and then, um, then I'll, you know, get serious about my faith, then I'll grow up. But you know, everybody goes through the phase of college. Or maybe it's like, you know, I'll just wait a year or two, or I'll just eventually get to it. But there's this laziness, there's this procrastination as if, you know, that as if this distant country really is something that we prefer and we procrastinate that eventually we'll get around to coming back home to the Father. The third reason I think is shame. A lot of us, after sinning, we're embarrassed. We can't believe that we actually did that. Can't believe that we could have done such a thing, and, and to return back means to, that we're going to have to admit that we actually messed up. We might have to actually apologize. We might actually have to go to confession. And that's scary because we're so ashamed. We, we don't want to be judged. We can't face that guilt and that shame within us. 
For some of us, that holds us back, maybe for long periods of time. And I don't know what your image of God is. I don't know what you've been told. I don't know what you've been taught. I don't know what your experience has been. But what we know through Scripture, through the revelation of Jesus Christ, is that God is a compassionate Father. And there's nothing that gives him greater joy than the true repentance, the metanoia, the changed mind of a sinner. And even if you changed your mind already and fell again, God is still overjoyed every single time that you come back. That's the kind of father that we belong to. We belong to the compassionate Father. And we leave home as wayward sons and daughters every time that we sin. Every time that we look for unconditional love in ways and places that it can't be found. Every every time that we seek to satisfy those deepest longings within our hearts with things that are only temporary and potentially harmful and sinful. Every time we do things that we shouldn't, we leave home in our hearts. We turn away from the Father. And the Father loves us so much that he lets us freely choose to leave. And he lets us freely choose to stay in the far distant country for as long as we freely choose to do so. But he anxiously awaits our return. And as soon as he sees that metanoia, as soon as he sees that turning back, he starts running too. And he embraces us before we even make it home. Puts a robe on our back and a ring on our fingers, sandals on our feet. He elevates us, overjoyed that we have chosen to turn back. And the father knows that we're probably going to go to that distant country again. He knows that we're kind of addicted to that place. He knows that we just like it over there for some reason. But he still puts the ring on our finger. He still elevates us and celebrates our return home every single time. Because he never gets tired of showing mercy. They say it's not about how many times you fall, but how many times you get back up. How much even more true that is in the spiritual life. So if you feel far from the Lord, down in the dumps, ashamed by a certain sin, caught in a certain addiction, discouraged by your weaknesses and your failures, if you feel far from God, Return home. Change your mind. Choose to start walking back to him. Because it only takes a few steps forward for him to start running all the way to you. Be not afraid to come back. I'll end with this. It's my favorite quote from St. John Paul II. You may have heard it before. We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. 
we are the sum of the Father's love for us. Amen. Amen. Amen.